Hey, everybody. Coming up on the Matt Townsend Show today, technology in the classroom. They say it's necessary for kids to stay ahead, but I used to be a kid, and if I had had an iPad 3 in third grade, I would have spent all day playing Angry Birds. We're talking about technology and your children right after the news. Good afternoon. I'm Katie Jarvis with BYU Radio News. A Southern California school district has accepted a $1.4 million grant to expand a student yoga program that sparked religious complaints and a lawsuit. The program made national headlines after some parents argued that it violated their religious freedom and promoted non-Christian religion, citing yoga's roots in Eastern religions. The school district said the program was completely secular, and with the grant money, they will be able to hire twice as many teachers as they had. A falling tree has killed one firefighter and injured another one today as lightning started wildfire in central Oregon. The firefighters were among the 4,000 people fighting active fires burning on about 40,000 acres in Oregon. Lightning touched off the largest fires last weekend in the southwestern part of the state. A new study says as the temperature gets warmer, people are more prone to getting upset. Scientists found that aggressive acts of violence, like crimes and wars, became more likely with each added degree. The research analyzed 60 studies of things such as historic collapses of empires, recent wars, and violent crimes, and they found the common thread. Extreme weather, hot or dry, means more violence. In world news, Egyptian authorities are offering safe passage and protection for thousands of supporters of the ousted president if they end their marathon sit-ins in Cairo. The offer was extended today by the Egyptian Interior Ministry, and they are in charge of the police. It comes a day after Egypt's military-backed cabinet ordered the ministry to clear the two sit-ins in Cairo, arguing that they posed a threat to national security. And Edward Snowden now has asylum in Russia for a year, but that could be extended indefinitely. And Snowden also has the right to seek Russian citizenship. For the first time since June 23rd, Snowden left the Moscow airport today. He was able to enter Russia after authorities granted him the asylum. There's no word on where he went. His lawyers say that that will be kept secret for security reasons. And that's the news. I'm Katie Jarvis with BYU Radio. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your guide on the side, doing what we can on this program to give you a little smarter life, a little smarter love, You're hopefully improve your relationships. And today, we're going to be talking technology. Technology. And if you know me, you know I know a lot about technology. And you also know that I can't even make my phone work in the BYU Broadcasting Building which uh, means technology is useless to me because I can't call out and I can't get my email. Ah! Anyway, welcome to the program, everybody. We've got a great show for you today. When I talk about technology, I'm not just saying, you know, you old-timers, you got to get with it. I'm not saying that, even though, you know, we do. I am saying, you youngsters, you young little pumpkins, you need to get with the show because, for real, the jobs I'm hearing are in the technology-based world. Anybody buying that? Yeah, I'm totally buying that. The only, interweb. Have you guys heard of that? Only if you can program websites, software, back-end, well, well, or here's, apps. Here's the thing. Not only do you – so 
right now, the one jobs that include technology really are the most viable at the moment. Right. But not only that, just to find a job, you have to be competent with technology. <laughs> like I just spent forever making a LinkedIn profile. Really? Yeah. Like because apparently that's it's, how people find jobs now. That's you know what? That's what the cool people are doing. I'm cool. I've been on LinkedIn for years, and I see I'm not an early adopter. I'm what they call a have-to adopter, <laughs> and I so I don't know what they're calling you, Merritt. But if you're just barely getting on LinkedIn, well, I've been on it for a while, but you, okay. there are special things that yeah. you have to do. So you have to, and then they tell you how and put work samples, yeah. and, and they tell you how make a summary, how effective your uh, offerings are. Like if you, if yeah, they tighten down your offer. Well, and you can go on LinkedIn, and it will say like improve your profile, and have yeah. all these suggestions. And I finally got it, so that it will say. Oh, you're you're good for right now. Thank you, thank you. I was really excited. <laughs> Thanks for not being condescending. I've yeah. been accepted. You're, yeah, you're finally legitimate. Thanks, Merritt. You're finally reached a state of legitimacy. Hmm. LinkedIn, uh, you do. You need a job, and if you're going to get a job, you darn well know, better know technology. You don't just need to know how to answer the phone. See, when I was young, you guys don't remember this, but this was back when we rode camels. Uh, to and fro. I don't remember that. I don't remember that being a thing on the Western Hemisphere. <laughs> well, yeah, it was a long time ago. And it was huge camel riding. So uh, we're sitting there, though, and I remember going to a skills class in high school, and you had to learn the 10 key. Is that what they call it? Is that the number pad? Uh huh. Well, no. On yeah. the right side of the keyboard? Yeah. But it was never on a keyboard. It was on its own little calculator 10 key. It was how you would add, you know, numbers. And so that's the one that goes, what, 7, 8, yeah. 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. 0. Okay. With, yeah. Which but, then, but then on my phone. Cre- which, which actually, I, I, for some reason, picked up 10 key, and it's very handy. The problem is, yeah, on the phone, they reverse it. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, yeah. 7, 8, and then on the And then on the keyboard, it's... One, two, three, four, five, seven, nine, across the zero top. across the top. Well, but see, yeah, that would that's why you'd want a ten key with your keyboard. But see, you guys are missing the point. Back in the day, that was a major skill set. So you would be asked, Do you know how to do ten key? And you'd be, For sure. I learned that in high school. That was a major skill set. Or you you were asked if you could type. Back in the day, if you could type, you were obviously an elitist. My dad had a typing job out of school. For sure. Mm -hmm. That meant he was well-trained and his parents had set him up to succeed. Now we've got our punk little kids that are 8, 10, 12, 14 just typing away. They don't even know. It's a major skill set. I was writing something and the other day Google um, gave me a suggestion for a word, uh, affected instead of effected. So I think I have been outclassed yeah. by Google, wow. totally and officially. They like just rubbed it in your face, right? But it knew were the you, difference. Were you affected? Affected? Um, no. Well, it had an effect on me. There you go. But I was not strongly affected by it. See, take that, you? Google. Take that. <laughs> Use that right that time. So now technology's <laughs> impacting you. Uh, I just, I just. There's a whole new story out about um, the fact that. Anywhere on your cell phone, all those, all the information is being gathered 
where you are, the calls you make, when you make them. And accordingly, apparently, a new recent uh, legal case says that all that data belongs to your phone company. And it's now theirs to use. Great. And um, so now, interestingly, your phone can track you. It can track you even when you're not on it. Not if I forget it and leave it at home. Well, then. It's true. It's a major problem in the CIA TV shows. When somebody leaves their phone and they can't. Well, that's true. So, if, yeah, if you're going to murder someone, leave your phone. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> See, but only the young kids would know that today. Some old coot would just go and take his phone to the murder scene. No, no. They'll triangulate. NCIS, excuse me. But how's he supposed to buy a celebratory post-murder pizza without his phone? <laughs> okay. How did we get on that topic? We're talking <laughs> you technology. <brought> it <laughs> and we're not supposed to be discussing murder plots. Pizza parties. Technology. People need to know how to use technology. And so on the show today, what I want to get into is are the schools adequately prepared to teach it? Are the teachers understanding how to educate our children with technology? A, if they know more, if our kids know more about technology than the teachers, are who's teaching whom? Hmm? I will tell you, in high school, we all knew exactly what we were doing. None of the teachers had any idea. I even took a class that was all... Microsoft Publisher. Wow. Is that what it's called? Microsoft Publisher? That was a while ago. The one ago. that you can make pamphlets with? Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Publisher. Yeah. yeah. Pamphlets, by the way, for those youngsters, those were these paper documents that we used to hand out. It's tri- it folds into threes yeah, or we, twos. Are we still doing pamphlets? Uh, no. no. It was it's like a, Twitter now. It yeah, was like it a website that you'd put under somebody's windshield wiper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When hey. we used to litter. No, that when, still that still happens. I'll come out into my parking lot, and someone will be like, "Hey, this new club opened. It's, pamphlet, check oh, it out. Dropped it. Nope, I, it's I on the ground." I have a rule of thumb that if somebody leaves a flyer on my windshield wiper, I'll never read it. I'll grab it and then just put it under the windshield wiper of the next car over. <laughs> really? <laughs> Every time. You're just always paying it forward. Paying it forward. Paying it forward. I don't think that's what that was meant to mean. Um, so, technology. Do you guys feel like you're adequately prepared? Because you're college students. Do you feel like you're adequately prepared for the future of technology? Well, if the adults that surround me are any indication, yeah, I got it. You're saying you could take my job. You're saying saying, that because I don't have a clue. So you're like, okay, easy target. Well, mostly the – when you go to to deal with or work with anyone on a computer and they're doing something and I'm sitting there thinking, man, I could could actually just show you how to do what you're trying to show me what to do. I could just do that for you. You want me yeah. to just do that? Do you? Okay, so w- that's funny because in the technology world, we we look to the older generations and we're like, okay, I've got them beat. But do you ever wonder if the generation below you is just actually going to school you? No, because all of their skills involve stupid things with cell phones that are not important. Oh, see, that is where you're going to pay for it because someday everything will be the cell phone. Everything. That sounded ominous. Don't you think there will be a day your personal device will do everything? 
I I don't know how I feel about that. But it seems like that usually is the point in the sci-fi movie when something when goes very wrong. Yeah. Well, you know what? I <laughs> the bought, robot attack. I bought a TV. I mean, I, you're talking. You're making it sound like control your washing machine and stuff. Hey, you're, wait. That already, is a good idea. It already can happen. But, I have a friend that can t- turn on his cell phone and can see the cameras in his house. He can see his son in the basement with his arm around a girl. He can turn on the lights in the basement. He can turn up or down the heat with his house all on his phone. Boom. Scary. He could probably turn on a blender. But he destroyed all the making. fun that fathers have. Of It's not that you just bust your ch- children in that situation. Yeah. It's that you sneak down the stairs. No, 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 no. See, this makes it so you don't head need around to. the corner. And then you flip the light switch on. Boom. Gotcha. Yeah, no. See, but I'm a lazy dad. I would want that <laughs> so that I could just flip the lights on and off. I felt like half the fun of being a dad was embarrassing your children's friend by walking around in your underwear. Well, I thought that was half the fun. Good point. And you can't do that on a cell phone. No, that's, that is half the fun. But the other half is just being able to do it from your room and not get out of bed. You know, you got me there. I've, this is that's less, always re- fun. less <laughs> reasons to get out of bed. Of bed. Like, yeah. example, last night uh, everyone came home. My wife and I were tired. We go to bed at 10 because we're exhausted. Kids stay up. Lights were left on. If I could have just pulled my phone out, turned lights off. But don't <sighs> you feel like a real man being like, "This is I'm the king and this is my castle and now I'm going to walk around my castle and inspect it. Make sure all the lights are off. The no. doors are locked. The windows no. are <laughs> shuttered no. up. And the no. the for- fortress is secure. I'm a man. And then you go back to bed. No. That's not what makes me that feel like a man. That is not wired in your head at all? No. I do that in my apartment. Maybe that's what my wife's doing because she always comes in and feels like a man after she's locked the house up. I don't know. I, that's, I don't, that doesn't cross I Feeling like a man or the king of my domain would be just going to bed <laughs> and nobody bothering me. No one asked me for anything today. <laughs> is that bad? All's well in the kingdom. Yeah. The kingdom is quiet. Somebody turn that light off in the kitchen. Right now, because we don't have the technology connected to turn the lights off, I have to yell, Hey, Tanner! <laughs> turn the lights off! You know what? What's kingly about that? That's just bad. That's uncouth. No etiquette. You need like a, a page. I need a page. <laughs> See, but that's old school. So today I just need an iPhone with an app. But, but you miss out on that opportunity to walk into Tanner's room with the light on and say, I decree that whatever it is you're doing is over, and you turn the light off. Yeah. Boom. Can't. You don't have children. No, not, not yet. <laughs> because it's easier to not have a decree. It really is. It's easier to just go to bed. If I could just push a button and turn his power off, done. I can turn their phones off right now. You ever Done. do that just for fun, just to mess with No, around? it doesn't end up being fun. It ends up being like World War Three. I like to do it when I leave, though, and have my wife deal with it. It's not good for her, but, you know, that's it. Hey, if you guys can't use your phones, I'm turning them off. Come on, Dad. Kids, technology, greatest stuff in the world. And it's not just kids. Um, I went to a uh, family reunion cute little reunion with a bunch of wonderful family members. They're not even mine. They're my wife's family, and I love them. I've been adopted in this family. 
And they're going around the room sharing all their advice and stuff and everyone, every family just introduces themselves. And my wife's big into Instagram. So this one lady gets up right before my wife and she says, oh, my heavens, I, um, I'm trying to use technology more so I can be more like Marty. And she said, um, for example, I'm, I'm on Instacare. And <laughs> is she now? Yeah. <laughs> is she? And I'm thinking, Instacare? Why is she telling us about like her HMO or whatever they call that? Yeah, the, the, the regional overnight 24-hour emergency, <laughs> emergency care, care place. And, and Marty's like, you mean Instagram? And she's like, oh, yeah, what, what did I say? That was the wrong person oh, yeah. to say Instacare, that, though. Instacare, yeah, Instacare. Oh, no. So, uh, you know, older generations, we're going to have to get into this. Younger generations, your life may be, to be dependent on it. That's, that's the topic today. Hmm. Now, you know better than anyone, Merritt. That uh, jobs are riding on this technology thing. They are. And it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it can go even beyond just technology. But schools often just don't prepare people for jobs because they're teaching them not the wrong things, but the wrong way to think about things. For right. example, like I am in a liberal arts degree. And to oh, anybody boy. looking for a job <sighs> at this point in time, they would know that it, it, most people equate that with like death. Yeah. It's like yeah. <laughs> liberal you, arts degree you equals You mean homelessness. Death. Well, but death Ooh, is at least death. useful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's not a good thing. But I had a teacher one time who was fantastic. And she said, you can't let that get to you. Think of everything you learn as a skill. Mm. So when you're writing a paper for class, don't think, I'm learning about screenwriters' rights. Think, I'm learning how to read legal documents uh, and huge. how to synthesize information yeah. and how to write. Because those are completely marketable. So it's kind of the same thing with technology. It's not... Don't you need to learn the skills of technology, not just how to use it? So that's true. You can't just learn how to surf the web, but you should probably learn a little bit, you know, about how to blog or that's what an effective idea. social media post is. How to research? I didn't yeah. know how to use the interweb until I was in graduate school, having to do some major searching online, and then all of a sudden you realize, whoa, this is some pretty cool stuff you got to learn. So what if our kids could learn that? Boom! Skill. Not necessarily a degree. Not, yeah. It's, it's you're skill. not getting degrees to learn. I mean, a lot of broad information is good. I'm oh, all yeah. for that. But you, you're learning skills. That's, that's why a degree is, helps you get a job is because you're learning skills. I have a son who shoots video at the age of 16, can make music, shoots video of him making the music, posts the music on YouTube – Post the video on YouTube, sells his movie, sells his music on iTunes, and makes a check. Makes the money that he would make. His older brother used to work at a bakery, and would just kept you know popping croissants all night and eating a lot of doughy foods. And um, he'd come home with a paycheck. And now my little sixteen-year-old son sits at his little computer, YouTubing, taking his music, iTuning. And he's making as much or more more money. The older son had the better deal. Yeah. Second uh, rejects on croissants. <laughs> Get your old croissants here. Isn't that interesting? And yet we look at him and we're like, are you still on that contraption? He's just playing around. Get off that computer and go put up, the YouTube away. Get some fresh air. <laughs> fresh air doesn't pay the bills, man. Honestly. We walk by him and we're like, you're still doing that? Come on. But he's making a living and he's networking. and he, So he's learning these skills. And then 
interestingly, he's he's going to, I guess, go to college, and they're going to teach him how to do it better. Or yeah. maybe he'll figure it out, and he'll just do it better, and uh, he'll skip those four years of his life. This is Who knows? Weird. It's weird. It's happening. Okay, we're going to be talking about it. This uh, is a big topic, and so we're going to take a break. When we come back from the break, our own Bryce Tobin has got, I think, a little bit of a rant about how we're preparing our children, or maybe not, uh, you know, for their future, technologically speaking. We're also going to be bringing on um, a really awesome guest who's going to teach us. His name is Chet Linton. He's going to teach us how we can use technology and make sure that our teachers, our families, as parents, that we're preparing our kids technologically for the lives they're going to need for the future. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Future police and firefighters might follow the bouncing ball into danger. The camera you throw like a ball, next. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. For police, firemen, rescue workers, and soldiers, knowing what's around the corner means everything. While there are already some robotic camera devices on the market, many of them are expensive, heavy, or too complicated for many situations. That's the opinion of the founders of Bounce Imaging, a startup company created by two MIT graduates. Their idea is a camera in a ball, which you throw into a danger area. The ball is covered with micro cameras and infrared flash strobes. When it detects the impact of hitting the ground, the camera ball takes 360-degree panoramic pictures of where it is once every second. Then the ball transmits those images wirelessly to a nearby tablet or smartphone, where software automatically stitches the images into one grand view. Making the ball component cheap enough to be disposable in some situations puts it within reach of most budgets. A firefighter's version might use thermal cameras and toxic gas sensors to warn of threats and help find people quickly, all without needlessly risking the rescuer's life. Prototype testing is going on now. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. On Through the Garage Door, we're getting together to talk about music. Now, yeah. Is anybody making horrible acoustic music? Oh, yeah. I mean, in, in college dorms all across the yeah, country. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, you know, major artists. I, I don't think there's anyone that you can excoriate. Tune in to Through the Garage Door for BYU Radio's look into what's good in rock and roll. Weeknights at 11 p.m. Eastern here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about technology and preparing your children for the future. You know, do you think you've done a great job getting your children ready for the technologically driven future? Do they understand the interweb? Some call it the internet. Do they understand uh, how to use their phone to access the world? Should they be using their phone to access the world? A lot of these paradigms are in us, and that's what we're going to be getting into. But before we do, we're going to go to our own Bryce Tobin, who every once in a while throws down a rant. And uh, Bryce, apparently your rant today is questioning our learning in school. More so it's questioning the usefulness of uh, high school. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I mean, as someone who's gone through high school, I mean, I know. Well, haven't we all? 
<laughs> Maybe not. Actually, no. Um, so you're questioning the useful, youthfulness. Youthful, usefulness. It's very youthful, but yeah, like, I don't know about how useful. Yeah. So we're going to go uh, listen a little bit to Bryce's rant about our education. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is the Bryce's right. Let's really ask the question. What's the purpose of high school? Elementary school, I understand. You're learning the basics, reading, writing, mathing. Middle school or junior high is a little more of that. I would say it's your chance to get an idea of where your interests and talents lie. So then if we're following this line of progression, learning skills, figuring out which skills are your best, it seems like the next logical step would be to pursue and refine your best skills and then get ready to apply them into a field. But is that what happens in high school? Of course not. There was a time when school taught you things like cursive. In fact, I was taught cursive in fifth grade. And you know what their justification was? Because all of my papers in high school would be written in cursive. In their defense, there was a time in which cursive was the accepted method of official documentation. But let's face it, Gutenberg put the nail in cursive's coffin long before it ever realized how dead it was. And by the year 2000, when I was in fifth grade, cursive had been dead long enough that it was starting to smell. But don't worry, learning cursive effectively ruined my handwriting. But in other news, that opened up the possibility of a new career as a doctor. So there's that. Or what about the time when typing class was relevant. Does this sentence ring any bells? Now is the time for all good men to come to the aid of their country. Well, I often got the advice to take a typing class because how else was I going to learn? Well, it was a good recommendation. I use the keyboard every day and I know what I'm doing even though I've never taken a typing class. So how did I learn? AOL Instant Messenger. You want to know why? Because girls, that's why. I could chat online with girls all night if I wanted to. I didn't have to call their house and deal with judgmental parents. That taught me how to type. And that came in handy when all of my papers were typed, not handwritten in cursive, typed. Well, the purpose of high school instead is to get kids into college, not to be prepared for college, not to be prepared for a career out of college. It's just to get you into college. Here's what I remember. From day one, they said, get A's, because if you don't have a 4.0, no college will want anything to do with you. Make sure to take a foreign language class all four years, and if you don't, no college will want anything to do with you. Also, be part of every club you can, become president your first year, and stay president the rest of the time, because if you don't, no college will want anything to do with you. Take as many college credit courses as you can, because if you don't, you won't look serious. And if you don't look serious, no college will want anything to do with you. Be part of an extracurricular activity for all four years and play a sport and be on varsity all four years because if you don't, you get the idea. Notice that it wasn't get a 4.0 because in order to do that, you'll really understand the material and you won't have to waste time learning that in college. You could just jump into the more complicated stuff. They didn't tell us to learn a foreign language because that would open up all kinds of options in terms of universities and job opportunities afterwards. I did choir for four years. Can you guess how many choirs I've been part of since graduating? If you guessed a non-zero amount, you guessed wrong. All it really did was teach me too much about voices, and now I can't enjoy other people singing because most of you are terrible and you should really keep your mouth shut. So my point is, high school isn't getting kids ready for anything. My generation is proof of that. Hopefully we'll get our act together, but getting someone into college does not mean they're prepared to be a productive, successful person, especially when you don't teach them anything useful. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Well... Tell us how you really feel. Well, Matt, if you uh, you can point me at any college, I can get in. I know how to get. I know how to break the application process. Really? So that I can get in. Are you a, are you a hacker? No. Do you hack your way in? No. I just I know my ways. You you were in choir. I was in choir. You had your your uh, Spanish as a foreign language. Uh, no, I only took two semesters of that. Oh, and you still got into college. Nice. Wait a minute. You broke the deal. Uh, varsity. Nope. Music? Okay, huh. How did you get in? I don't know, but like I said, 
didn't really get me ready for anything after getting into college. It's, I had to figure that out on my own. It all goes back to Merritt's point. We need to see it as skills. We need to learn the skill. So it's not just the English or it's not just having another language. There's there's a benefit to being able to learn another language and the skill of learning a language is maybe what we need to learn or math or whatever. You know, go, what were you or, saying? or even the skill of being able to sympathize and connect with other people in different cultures. See, we might be onto something. That's why we're going to be bringing on our guest. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Chet Linton is going to be joining us. He has an organization that is teaching teachers how to teach with technology and uh, how to maximize our, our children's ability to our children's ability to use technology and hopefully get jobs, which is really what this is about. It's not just getting accepted to a school. These schools need to eventually pay off and get jobs, as Bryce so beautifully taught us. We're going to take a break. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Get recharged at BYU Education Week. There are classes on parenting, science, how to change anything, how to run a business, how to grow a garden. Education Week classes run from August 19th to the 23rd. To register, visit us online at educationweek.byu.edu. I think anything you'd ever want to learn and know more about is offered here. BYU Education Week, a thousand ways to renew, refresh, recharge. Good afternoon, I'm Katie Jarvis with BYU Radio News. A falling tree has killed one firefighter and injured another one today as lightning started wildfires in central Oregon. The firefighters were among the 4,000 people fighting the active fires burning on about 40,000 acres across the state. Lightning touched off the largest fires last weekend in southwestern Oregon. A Southern California school district has accepted a $1.4 million grant to expand a student yoga program that sparked religious complaints and a lawsuit. The program made national headlines after some parents argued it violated their religious freedom and promoted non-Christian religions, citing yoga's roots in the Eastern religions. The school district said that the program is completely secular, and with the grant money, they will be able to hire twice as many teachers as they had. A new study says as the temperature gets warmer, people are more prone to getting upset. Scientists found that aggressive acts like violent crimes and wars became more likely with each added degree. The researchers analyzed 60 studies of things such as historic collapses of empires and recent wars, and they found a common thread. Extreme weather that is hot or dry means more violence. And officials say Florida State Education Commissioner is going to resign. He's been accused of changing the grades of a charter school run by a major donor during his previous job as Indiana school chief. According to emails that were published this week, he and his staff scrambled to make sure that the school received an A grade, despite the poor 10th grade algebra scores that initially earned a C. In world news, dozens of people were killed in a rocket attack on a munitions dump in the Syrian city of Homs. Today's attack came just a day after the United Nations announced that the government had agreed to let inspectors go to three different sites where chemical arms attacks have been reported during the two-year Syrian civil war. Edward Snowden now has asylum in Russia for a year, but that could be extended indefinitely. Snowden also has the right to seek Russian citizenship. For the first time since June 23rd, Snowden left the Moscow airport, where he has been staying since he flew in from Hong Kong. He was able to enter Russia after authorities granted him asylum. There's no word on where he went. His lawyer says that that will be kept secret for security reasons. And that's the news. I'm Katie Jarvis with BYU Radio. 
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We have got the topic of the day. The best, the brightest are joining us right now. We have invited into our studios Chet D. Linton. Chet is the CEO and president of School Improvement Network and has been focused on helping teachers become more effective throughout his career. Chet is a nationally recognized leader in the education world. He has shared his expertise on MSNBC, Huffington Post, and others. And even maybe more more interesting is Chet and his organization, uh, I guess mainly Chet, has won the Entrepreneur of the Year Award in technology from Ernst & Young, which is a big award basically showing that Chet is the dog. He is the main man when it comes to uh, being an effective technology leader. And he also is a judge for Ernst & Young to to judge Entrepreneurs of the Year as well. Chet Linton, thanks for joining us. It's great to be here. Thanks, Matt. We've been talking a lot about this technology thing, right? Apparently, according to Homer Simpson, the interweb is here to stay. Right? Did you know that? And if it's going to stay, our kids have to be prepared to be able to get jobs. Is that happening? Are our children really getting what they need out of school to be technologically ready? I, I think uh, there's, there are a lot of great changes, but the short answer would be no. Not happening. You know, it's, it's not happening. There's, uh, I think, wonderful developments right now nationally. We're seeing very entrepreneurial approaches in school systems, in states where leaders are saying, we need to change. We need to do things yeah. differently. But we're not seeing it hit the classroom like it should. We're seeing wonderful innovations all over the nation, but they're really just hit and miss right now. It's not happening. So you have this organization, School Improvement Network. You just held a, a summit, I guess we're calling it, where you brought in 400 educational leaders from across the country. And your goal really is to kind of say, look, let's make, you're not just trying to sell them something. You're trying to help them help their students. Right. In fact, our focus is this is the School Improvement Innovation Summit. And we looked for two years, three years, in fact, to find some type of innovative event that parents, policymakers, educators, even students could attend to see what really is going on in schools. What are the practical things that are making a difference and really having impact? And there really weren't events like that. Right. So you could find a little on investing. You could find something for policymakers, legislators. And, yeah. But there wasn't oh, a summit. Yeah, nothing like that. So we started this summit, uh, decided to hold it in Salt Lake City, Utah, yeah. in the mountains, beautiful city. Mecca for fun kid education. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. So, but it's uh, but it is the best educators, top educators, administrators, leaders, policymakers attend to learn and actually see these innovations that are occurring and the and the phenomenal gains that kids are having in these environments. And it doesn't I mean to educate your kids on technology, it doesn't have to be incredibly expensive. It just almost has to be kind of top of mind. It seems like maybe in our educational world we're not making technology as as central to the learning process as it probably needs to be in a technologically advanced world. Yeah. In fact, we still talk about technology, but uh, the majority of the listeners, even even you or I, when we don't think, let's grab our technology, right. we grab our phone. Right. Exactly. Oh, I've got a text. I've got email. Yeah. I've got, how many times do we grab that device? Totally. And kids are the same way. They don't even, when we say technology, you know, they don't think about the yeah. things that yeah, they're not thinking. We old people think that's about. right, isn't that so. like we actually think? Ooh, that's a that's a new finagle device, right? But that's just what they know. My kids know more about an iPad than I do. They know they know more about a cell phone than I do. That's just their means of accessing the world. Really, that's all a technology is. 
Yeah, that, that's it. And as we start thinking about schools and classrooms and environments and what kids are doing, this is part of their life. Right. You know, they walk into a, on, on one hand, we're saying use technology in the classroom and do things. But kids go home. The overwhelming majority of kids in the United States have access somewhere and can get online, can publish to the world. Yeah. And then they go in a classroom, close the door and we pull out the textbook. Here's a book, everybody. And it's isn't it interesting because I've heard you talk before and basically compare our classrooms today to maybe 100 years ago or even 1,000 years ago. Yeah, Talk about that because apparently the rooms aren't changing much. The way we teach isn't necessarily changing the way uh, it probably should be. Yeah, in fact, uh, I'm glad you bring that up because we were looking and trying to find a classroom 100, 200 years ago and stumbled on this image of uh, a university in Italy in the 13th century oh, man. where uh, a professor is speaking to this group of students and – you know, it was comical is in the back in this painting, you see students that are asleep. You see a group that's talking and uh, they're in rows, you know, and there's somebody, the sage on the stage in the front. Yeah. And fast forward to today and we see very much Boom. the same thing. The exact yeah. same thing. So, yeah, we're so advanced. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah. We're so advanced. And yet the best way to do it is to shove a bunch of kids into a room, line them up, apparently, and uh, and then throw down the knowledge from above. Right. Yeah, we, we're really and, – and that's a, another key point because we're moving – our world has changed so much that jobs have changed. It yeah. used to be that people were hired because of the knowledge they have. Well, today we're looking for – we're a skills-based economy. We're looking for people that have skills that can fill the technology jobs, that right. can really step into all of these things that require technology, which is almost everything. Yeah. And yet in the classroom, we haven't yet implemented that to the extent we need to. Well, so what's the cost of that? I mean, if we're not selling – I mean, it's not just Apple coming into our schools to sell more devices. That's not why we need technology. It's the jobs are there. Right. The future of the world is going to be technologically based. And if you don't know the technology, we're putting our kids behind the eight ball. They really are at risk mm-hmm. um, in, in ways that we don't think a lot about. Uh, there's some interesting things happening nationally right now. In fact, in some of the um, urban centers, we're having parents that have typically been the group that is in the forgotten group, yeah. you know, that yeah, have nots, yeah. are saying our kids have got to understand technology. They need to know how to use the internet because we can't get jobs. We can't get those service jobs we're, we're striving to mm. if they if we don't understand it because the big hotels and other large groups are saying get online and submit your application that way. Yeah. So well, that, if you can't submit an application. Yeah, you, you're not going to get a job. I mean, let Any alone job. having the other skills. If you don't have access to or the ability to do the technology, you can't even apply. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so in addition to those those jobs and opportunities, it's the these other jobs where we have huge voids right now nationally because we're missing the boat. And we've got to, mm. and these are the high-paying 80,000-plus-a-year jobs. Yeah. That we have over 2 million right now in the United States that are available. We have 2 million available jobs Eighty plus thousand dollars a year, but we don't have people to fill them. No workers. We had uh, pre-recession. We we have we had five million people that were employed that can't fill those jobs that are available. If you can imagine, unbelievable. So there's and that, and yet everyone's looking for job right now, right? And it's interesting because some of the older generations that may have been laid off recently, they may not have the skills either, just because they're an older generation. Correct. But then these young bucks may not be being trained. Right. And so we have, you know, another fun facts and trivia. Yeah. 
We have about half of university graduates that can't either are unemployed or underemployed right now. Oh, in no the United way. States. So we're sending these kids to school. They're choosing whatever they want to study. Yeah. And they get out and then they and they can't find jobs. But they know their humanities. They've got two years of math or whatever. They, we've learned we've got this routine down. And yet maybe the key to it all, the way that we access all of it is we're still not teaching the technology. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's really what your organization's about, though. Your organization, School Improvement Network, is to go in and to work with educators to make what happen? So our our focus really is we're very driven by a cause, and that cause is that 100% of students are college and career ready when they leave high school. Yeah. In order to do that, every teacher has to be effective. So we, we've had a lot of uh, distractions. There are a lot of sound bites and news headlines yeah. all the time about – we need vouchers, we need choice, we need all these things. But at the end of the day, every parent or grandparent or relative or whoever it may be just wants those children they're responsible for to have a great education, sure. to have positive experiences in the classroom. And so the School Improvement Network focuses on helping every teacher become effective and moving them to the next level so that every student that shows up in their classroom, whether they're you know, white, black, yellow, brown, it doesn't yeah, matter. Right or whatever their socioeconomic status is, it's all about helping every student succeed and be ready and pushing them to the levels that they've never thought they could even get to. Yeah. But if teachers are effective, they can. And so that's what we do. We show teachers how to get there and what they can do to really differentiate instruction and meet the needs of every student. Do you sense the teachers have what they need? I mean, is, is it that the teachers have the tools, they just don't know what to do with them or how to do it? Because maybe they – I mean, like you said, the phone is just a natural part of everyone's life in the younger generation. But the phone's kind of this additive, neat little thing that we all got in the 90s yeah. that we could carry as a cellular service. And, but um, do you think the teachers have the tools or do we still – I mean, I guess it's being able to afford and get all the technology too. Well, we, we t- I think you bring up two great points. One is a cost issue and two, do we have the tools? And the reality is there are tools all over. We really do. We, we understand them. People have access. And the cost is usually not an, an yeah. issue. And there are some very creative ways that we're seeing schools get devices into students' hands. Many of the students already have devices. Yeah, so can, well, why aren't they bringing their own? Like bring your own device. That BYOD. Seems like a, is that what you call it? BYOD. Yeah. Yeah, in, in college, that's a whole other meaning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? but in, that's BYOB. I, that's BYOB, exactly. <laughs> uh, at a barbecue, it's bring your own meat. That's what we always say in my family. But bring your own device so then all of a sudden I can learn on my iPad. I can learn on my iPhone. I can learn with the tools I've got. That's huge. Right. And you're, that doesn't cost schools anything. You're familiar with the device. You understand it. Uh, in fact, a great example is American Canyon High in, in, in California, just out in Napa Valley. This is a high school that's in an area where there are a lot of students that come from stressed areas and uh, financially, economically stressed. So one of the things the school suggested is to all the parents, how about we do a bring your own device? Let's set that up in our schools because so many of your kids have their devices. They did that. They used the funds that they didn't spend on everybody on, else to focus yeah. on the kids that really needed them. They created some creative leases Huge. through vendors yeah. that parents could afford so all kids had access. And the community has loved the idea, and it's worked very well. That is that, – that makes sense because the device, they're taking home anyway. So if if I'm sitting there in school, I can look up on my device 
and and I've heard you mention this before that people can find the real definition. My kids do it all the time. I'll throw out a statistic. Hey, I'm pretty sure Barry Bonds hit this much, and my son will like. Nope, Dad, you were wrong. And he'll correct me and make me look like a fool. And then, um, but he has the actual answers at his fingertips. He also has a lot of junk at his fingertips. But maybe we should be training him how to use the tool appropriately so when they go home, they don't just find junk. They don't find this stupid stuff. They actually know how to get the right answers. Yeah, there's, they're, they're great points. In fact, uh, you know, the dinner party that we used to know is never going to be the same. Never. The, the guy that showed up that knew everything and, yeah. you know, <laughs> that no one could our tell. wives were so impressed yeah. by and yeah. all, all the guys were saying, hmm, huh, come on. Whatever. Um, now, you know, thanks to Google and the device, that's changed. We can shut him down. That's right. <laughs> but uh, the other part is really helping students, kids, our children really yeah. understand how to use these devices. So typically what we hear is, you know, to your point earlier, if I don't know how to use something, I'll ask my 12-year-old. Yeah. He can show me what to do. Right. They know how to use the device right. or at least turn it on and do all the, you know, use it as far as what are the features, but actually using the Internet to access it in a way that can give them information that's truly mm-hmm. educational, valuable, correct, accurate. That's where we have a big opportunity for that's teachers powerful. to help kids and for kids to realize, wow, I can do more. Yeah. Holy cow. That is powerful. Um, we're talking with Chet Linton, who is the CEO of School Improvement Network. You really uh, need to go check out that website. That's that's his organization is schoolimprovement.com if you go to that website. But we're, we're asking him, basically, we're, we want him to teach us. What is it that we can be doing as parents? What can we be doing with our educators and with the, the teachers that are teaching our children about how to introduce technology? We're going to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to ask Chet to give us five things that parents should be doing or, or looking for in their children's classrooms. What are the things that the children should make sure, or the parents should make sure the kids have in their classroom? And then we're going to keep getting into this, uh, this idea of improving our children's ability to use technology. You are listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. What looks good to the eye reveals flaws when the heat's on, and that's a good thing. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. If you're building an airplane wing and you want to know just how far it will bend before it breaks, you could go ahead and break it, but then you don't have that wing anymore. Non-destructive testing tells us as much about a sample as if we actually broke one without the waste. NASA's Langley Research Center has been doing this for many years and has patents for some of its inventions. One of these involves thermography, watching how a sample holds and releases heat with infrared cameras. Flaws deep inside a structure can sometimes only be located this way, but this becomes hard to do when a structure is too big to be heated all at once. NASA's patent covers a system that travels along the largest target and makes these measurements in a continuous pass instead of a patch at a time with special software that interprets the heat patterns. Private industry has leased this technology and is using it to check things from wind farm turbines to power plant boilers, as well as making sure new wings and older airplanes are still safe and sturdy. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. 
Did you leave BYU without a degree? We'd had a few years where, where farming had been very difficult. My wife and I had decided that, you know, we were at an end with our farming career. That decision to sell the farm was really a turning point in my life. In church, there was a poster from the Bachelor of General Studies program, and we decided to enroll. I see that it has blessed me and the life of our family. Go online to bgs.byu.edu to see if you qualify to finish at home what you started at BYU, Bachelor of General Studies. There is so much going on in the world that sometimes it's good just to sit back, relax, and think about life. Relevance is something we make or discover or invent. Relevance is probably completely up to us. The people of the past are dead and gone, but to call them irrelevant is our decision and probably a very poor one. Thinking Aloud, weeknights at 8.30 Eastern, only on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about technology, and, you know, we all know it's important for our families, with our children, but also with technology, um, are your kids learning what they need to learn? I can only imagine, I mean, I remember teaching my grandfather-in-law about Windows, and he would look at the computer screen with the Windows sign on it, and then he would look out the window, and I'm like, no, this is the window, this is the window, and you close the window like this. And he couldn't conceive it. And just even having him move his hand and then try to find the cursor, it just – he didn't have it. What if our kids didn't have that is my fear. If our children aren't technologically ready for a world that's, that's technologically based, we probably haven't been very good parents. So I've asked Chet Linton to join us today. Chet is the CEO and president of School Improvement Network. And he has been focused on helping teachers become more effective through uh, his career. He's also a nationally recognized leader in education. He's an expert uh, in education and technology. He's been on MSNBC, Huffington Post. He's been appointed by the Utah governor, uh, Gary Herbert, to the governor's vision and mission committee, where he helps businesses and education uh, organizations um, to steer and shape education policy. So I've asked him to be on the show. He's also, I think more importantly, a father of four. And he he gets this. He understands what we're about here. So, Chet, welcome back. Thanks. It's great to be here. Good to have you. And uh, Chet is also just a really good guy, you know, and I don't care what the police say because they can't <laughs> prove it. But uh, the cool thing about Chet is he 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 wants to not just like push it onto teachers and say, teachers, you're so messed up. Figure it out. He wants us to all kind of be responsible as parents, educators, business people. We're all going to pay if technology is not working, right? Yeah, it's true. In fact, I think uh, one of the points that's critical is teachers. Teachers are key. Yeah. You know, they really are the, they are the people that create our workforce. We don't ever, we right. rarely ever think and that And we just way. smile and say, yeah, great yeah. job. Or we think, gosh, my teachers never did that. So yeah. we, we bash them. We beat them up. You know, and, and beat them up. And it's. They are the, you know, it's probably, it's a very thankless job. Totally. We all know they don't get paid well and uh, comparatively to the rest of the world. And, and so um, their teachers are, the, all of us, I think everyone who's listening has had a teacher, at least one that's impacted their life positively. And there are millions in the country. Yeah. And so many that are doing so much good. So we're, we're finding that uh, by recognizing this fact and working with teachers, they, all they care about is making sure that students do succeed. And, and yet... As we as parents, we have a responsibility to help them do that. We can't just say, get on it. It's yeah. your job. It's your J-O-B. Yeah. In fact, today we have a lot of teachers that say, 
hey, I meet with parents. They show up and just say, okay, what do I do? Yeah. How do I do this? Exactly. And so we, there is a, it, we're noticing in the environments where parents do all they can. They may need to seek additional help. In fact, we find districts that offer parenting classes that really try to help parents. Right. But that's an important part, that parents take responsibility for their kids to help them to get them to school. And the school systems are stepping up. Schools, teachers, educators, administrators are doing all they can to get these kids ready to get out in the great big world and, huge. and do wonderful things. And, and having technology at the core and using these resources in ways that can really move students to the next level is key. I've always thought how powerful it is to know that your kid all of a sudden – I mean, I literally remember using word processors where, where you had to save your information on an audio cassette – not on a not on a <laughs> floppy drive on a or on a floppy yeah disc on a on an audio cassette. That's how old I am. Yeah, I, I don't want to one up you with my computer cards. I had to fill out when yeah. I got kicked out of my math class. I heard about those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you used to put them in the little pouch on your dinosaur. And I'm a young guy. And you'd walk no. your dinosaur to school. <laughs> yeah, I remember those days. And you are a young guy, Jet. Um, but nowadays, so the kids in the classroom could actually put together a PowerPoint. They could put together um, an Excel spreadsheet. They know how to do all this technology. But more importantly, maybe is just they should know how to access knowledge. Yeah. Yes, you're, you're right. In fact, two things that are key. One is they generally understand how to get into Word, how to get into Excel, to your point. Right. They need to understand what's appropriate. How do I use these things in a way that really can impact my learning? And how could I teach this to others? Right. So that leads us to the Internet, where they get most of the source, the source of most of the information. Yeah. So right now, we're finding that most students know how to use the device, so it's easy to call up yeah. the, we can turn it the on. fifth grader. Hey, come help me. Show me what to do. But accessing appropriate information is the key. So if everybody were to search right now American Revolution, which you would think most United U.S. classrooms yeah. would probably be at some point have kids do. Which we used to do. We just go to the bookshelf and grab the Britannica, the Encyclopedia Britannica. Yeah, that's exactly and right. Pull, open up American Revolution. Right, and so you end up in a place you're supposed to be. Well, today, if we do that, we're going to end up with, we'll see swastikas, we'll see, uh, uh, you know, American X things that we don't want our kids or students to associate the American Revolution with. So. They need to understand in Google, if I type yeah. American Revolution, semicolon, edu, I'm going to get education sites. Yeah. And then you get the images of George Washington. And, That's huge. Uh, you know, the founding Versus fathers. Versus and... some Aryan nation brotherhood. Right. I mean, it's it really is to have all this information, but not to be inept at knowing how to access it or to search it. It's as if you don't have it. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. In fact, another example would be... Uh, you know, now we can actually understand both sides of a, an argument or a, or a point. So a student can write about, uh, well, let's use the, uh, the, the I was going to mention the colonial wars. Again, the revolution. Yeah. If I'm in England, I'm probably not going to find a lot about the You're gonna uh, find out something. Revolutionary right. War, but I could find out about the colonial rebellion. Interesting. Well, how yeah. great if students think that way or realize I can change some settings to actually do a search yeah. from Little the, as if UK, I'm in the UK. Yeah. And get a different experience, but really see both sides of an, of a point or an argument or a That's point huge. in history that really becomes more accurate, I think, and really helps the students understand what really did occur. I mean, when you think about how powerful, we don't have to memorize everything anymore. You just have to know how to access all the data and to find the, and, and to do it quickly. And, and interestingly, I didn't learn how to do these searches till my second master's degree. 
Wow. <laughs> it took two master's degree to get really good at kind of, you know, a Boolean type of search where you're really cutting through the garbage. It's, um, it seems like a no-brainer. But interestingly, my kids are hopefully learning it. We want them to be learning this younger. Yeah, it, it's critical. It's very important. Technology is not going away. Mm-mm. It is an integrated part of our lives. I know there are probably some listeners that are a little stressed out when yeah. we say, hey, the knowledge is all there. You don't have to memorize all these things. And, right. and most of us went to school where we were, you know, sometimes we say zipper head instruction. You zip yeah. it open on Monday, you dump all the information, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, on Friday you test. Yeah. And uh, so many of us don't remember all of those things that we were no. taught and shared because we just, it was memorization. Well, what good is that? Come on. And so I don't if, want to remember that. If we, if students have access to the knowledge and these facts yeah. and teachers understand how to make the learning relevant. Right. So students now, we're, we're in the day and age now of personalized learning. Yeah. And we can actually, if teachers are trained, they can personalize what students are interested in. They can help students develop their passions for learning and what's important to them. Yeah. And relate it back to what they need to learn to be prepared for college or career or both. And that's very different. And totally. so getting access to those facts, memorizing all those multiplication tables and all those things that we used to do and still do in a lot of classrooms yeah. is not critical for those students' success. And they still gain a lot of that information just by making when the teachers are making it relevant. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, and, and it's so funny because when I was growing up, um, y- your ability to type was like a really critical skill. Not, 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 it wasn't even critical. It was like that was an advanced skill. Yeah. Like that would guarantee you could get a job. And if you, you could type. type 15 words a minute, right? you're not going anywhere. Yeah, you're not going anywhere. But, I mean, the formal classes, I don't know if you remember this, like type. You would take type class and you would spend six months learning to type. Yeah. And uh, I thought I was so impressed with that. And then um, watching my little eight-year-old just pounding it out <laughs> on a typewriter. And I'm like, where did you learn that? He's like, school. I'm like, that's a big deal. Yeah. And, and what used to be so critical and one of the, you know, it was a, it was a star on our chest, yeah. right? Or, or for, maybe yeah, a gold a star on our yeah, forehead. Exactly. Uh, now it's just part of what kids do. It's just, the, it's just what we do to get online. We're talking with Chet, uh, Chet Linton. And Chet is the CEO and president of School Improvement Network. Um, he's also father of four. He's teaching us what we should be looking for. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. And when we come back, Chet's going to get into five things parents should see in the classroom. So as a parent, get ready. Take down this list. These are the things you should be looking for, the things you should be noticing in your children's classrooms to make sure they're learning. We're also going to get into some things that parents should be doing at home. What are some things you can be offering your children to make sure they're getting ahead technologically? This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU-FM, HD2, Provo. Eric Dottle is a professional artist who travels the world painting pictures. It is a place I enjoyed, and I've been there several times and love it. Then he comes back and shares travel tips, trivia, and history about the places he's visited. You mentioned the base seasoning. They've... That is a big deal. That's the only place you can get it, and they put it on everything. Tune in to BYU Radio on weeknights at 9 Eastern for Traveling with Eric Dowdle.
Good afternoon, I'm Katie Jarvis with BYU Radio News. Food safety experts say they're not surprised at all by a recent outbreak of the stomach bug that two states have linked to bagged salad. They say the process of harvesting, washing, and packaging salad products provides numerous opportunities for contamination. Last year, the Food and Drug Administration issued more than 20 recalls for packaged salads, romaine lettuce, or spinach. A new study says as the temperatures get warmer, people are more prone to getting upset. Scientists found that aggressive acts like violent crimes have become more likely with each added degree. The research analyzed 60 studies of such things as historic collapses of empires and recent wars, and they found the common thread. Extreme weather that's hot or dry means more violence. The White House is making it clear that U.S.-Russian relations could suffer as a result of Moscow's decision to grant temporary asylum to National Security Agency leaker Edward Snowden. He left Moscow's airport today after being granted asylum for one year. There's no word on where he went. Snowden has thanked Russia for giving him asylum, and he criticized the Obama administration as showing no respect for the law. A falling tree has killed one firefighter and injured another one today as lightning started wildfires across central Oregon. The firefighters were among the 4,000 people fighting the act of fires burning on about 40,000 acres in the state. Lightning touched off the largest fires last weekend in the southwestern forests. In world news, dozens of people were killed in a rocket attack on a munitions dump in the Syrian city of Homs. Today's attack came a day after the U.N. announced the government had agreed to let inspectors go to three sites where chemical arms attacks have been reported. Egyptian authorities are offering safe passage and protection for thousands of supporters of the ousted president if they end their marathon sit-ins in Cairo. The offer was extended today. It comes a day after Egypt's military-backed cabinet ordered the ministry to clear two sit-ins in Cairo, arguing that they posed a threat to national security. And that's the news. I'm Katie Jarvis with BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're wrapping up our segment today uh, with Chet Linton. Chet is the CEO and president of the School Improvement Network. You really need to go check out his website, www.schoolimprovement.com. It's it's a website really designed, I think, more for teachers, educators, kind of business leaders. But you can also go look at his blog. He has a blog. Just go to, I guess, just look it up this way, chet-linton-blog.com. Chet-Linton-blog.com. Do a little Google search on that, and uh, you'll get right to his blog. He he really is a wealth of information. And as we've been talking about it, what are the things we should be looking for, Chet? What are the the five keys you think that parents need to see in the classroom? Well, there there are there are at least five. There's probably thousands. And I think one of the one of the key questions to ask and to understand is. What do, what do we call all this stuff? You know, is it technology? Yeah. We'll, we'll go over a few basic items. But also, we're really talking about 21st century skills right. in this day of 21st century learners. Yeah, it doesn't have to be called technology. It's just skill sets. It's 21st century tools, skills. Right. So if we don't have to memorize all these things, and knowledge really is at our fingertips, in our pockets, on our, our devices, whatever right. they are, those 21st century skills, now we're, we're, what are they? We move kids to a point where they need to understand how to be entre- think entrepreneurially, collaborate, work in groups, network. 
and and have activities that are going to really and know how to think. So there are activities in a classroom that, hmm. that do that. So what does that classroom look like? Well, usually we're not seeing those lines of desks that we most of us yeah. want to, to you know we maybe more into, circles than lines you'll see yeah you'll see creative grouping there may be you know some you may see a student off doing an individual project that's yeah. okay yeah not stuck in the We're corner with a sizing with a dunce know? cap yeah, right that's right but also in we call them creative grouping where teachers may have specific projects that the students are working on um, some schools We'll call it collaborative grouping. There, there may be a myriad of names, but students are grouped sometimes based on levels, mm-hmm. sometimes based on interest, sometimes both. Yeah. And, uh, and so the classroom looks different. Um, students and parents, sometimes you can't get into the classroom or grandparents to see what it really looks like. But you can ask students, what do you yeah. do in your class? What do you do? You guys sit in rows? Yeah. Simple question, <laughs> yeah. but that tells a lot. Oh, absolutely. Well, and the interaction, I mean, think of having the technology without the social skills. And then think, and so it's not even just about a tool. It's about the tool and then the ability to access the information, then the ability to synthesize it with others, share it, partner. I mean, yeah. it's a whole, whole skill set is what you're teaching. That's exactly right. And so we, those of us that are a little older and not used to texting, for example, yeah, right. we, you know, sometimes freak out a little bit. <laughs> oh, she's on her phone all the time oh, yeah. texting. Turn your phones off, kids. Exactly. Yeah. Communicate. Yeah. Well, we forget that they are communicating. They are. And you know, usually we don't have conversations where they're one-sided. There's usually back-and-forth dialogue. Yeah. It's usually snippets of information. We don't share large paragraphs. Right. That's natural. And so a lot of that is happening, and we can't forget that. Those keyboarding skills often are – Or the thumbboarding now. Thumb, thumbboarding. <laughs> My yeah. kids' thumbs are huge. Just yeah. like 400-pound thumbs <laughs> pounding away on that little thing. And and uh, Speedy Gonzales, yeah. you know, but that, super fast. And, so. and as old-timers, we kind of just poo-poo that, like that's not – you guys don't get it. Well, they may not get verbal skills as well, but they've got a skill set that we're using. They, that's correct. And they it's are future-oriented. And don't be scared of it. Right. I think we need to get beyond you know, what, what yeah. are the things we worry about. So as we see our, our children, our grandchildren, our nieces, nephews, whoever it is, communicating – Let's remember that that's what they are doing and, and ask questions. Yeah. So another, one of the other things that's really important is to ask questions. And uh, if you can, drop into a classroom to see what's going on. You could always ask them via text. You can. Because then you know they'll get it. Yeah. <laughs> a lot yes. of times you'll ask it and nobody answers. Well, and we, we, you know, we kind of we joke about that, but the reality is kids respond. In fact, uh, young girls are now texting about 4,400 messages a month. Oh my word. Boys are about 30, I think 3,400 or 3,500. I guess boys use fewer texts than girls. They seem to. <laughs> Isn't that weird? <laughs> yes. It sounds so normal. So we, we hear that, but there's a hundred percent read rate. That Kids read those messages. hundred percent read rate on 4,400 messages. Yeah. So interestingly, they're pretty smart because they're very efficient. <laughs> Extremely. They're a hundred percent efficient. How many times have we as parents send a message that got no read rate? Yeah. Zero. <laughs> nope, didn't even hear it. Sorry, Mom, did you say something? Well, you think about those numbers. I mean, our our children are seeing those messages. That is amazing. So we know they may not answer the phone. What do you think? Do you think then when we go into a schoolroom, the natural instinct of phones in schools was don't have them. Turn them off. Put them in your bag. Don't want to see them all during the, the day. But really, the, those phones should be integrated into the learning. They should. The kids are full they're, on. They're comfortable with the device. Yeah. They know how to use it. There are now myriads of free technology. Teachers can actually 
poll their children. You know, ask yeah. ask ask their students. Real time polling. Real time. I've seen polling. that in college, but and I've it's never... free. We don't and, have to spend money. Yeah, on you it. can do it on their device. Right. So teachers can get immediate feedback. Uh, it doesn't put kids on the spot, and 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 there are ways to do that appropriately mm-hmm. that are very very valuable. So. Looking in the classroom for some of those, the rest of that list, another item is, do they use, do, does, is the school open to BYOD? Yeah. You know, Bring as your parents, own device. Yeah. We, it's okay to say things. Now, in some districts or schools, they call it BYOT. So bring your own technology. Cool. So we saw a classroom that had, in Wyoming, where it's a, uh, the, the kids bring their devices, they use them. That's and uh, they're, they're, uh, you look in the classroom and they have all types of devices iPads and iPhones and yeah. you know, Android-based or whatever it is, but the teacher knows how to work with that environment, That's and the huge. kids are engaged. I've uh, seen I've seen teachers of my in my own children's classes that have blogs that video their classes and they put them up. And we went in with a son who was having trouble with chemistry, and the, all the teacher said is, "Have you gone to my blog?" And we're like, "What?" I have a blog with every lesson we ever taught so he can go watch any lesson that he missed and how many times before did we do we ask ask the student yeah our kids hey what did you do oh nothing what'd you learn today yeah, nothing. nothing what's your assignment yeah. i don't have homework why are your grades so far behind i don't know how can you stay after i don't want it it's too hard but now there's it actually could increase accountability and it increase does. and decrease even so a teacher that's sitting there thinking oh great more stuff to do not really it might be Increasing accountability and giving you less need to even stay after and do so much. Yeah. In fact, my my fourth grader, his uh, actually he's going into fifth grade. I don't want him to get upset when he hears me say yeah, that. Dad. But last year, he was in fourth grade. and He's had this teacher in first grade, and uh, she said, you can go to the blog. I about fell off my chair because she's talked about retiring at times. And she said, no, I, everything's on the blog. I said, you're kidding me. A blog. She said, nope, I use it. I post everything there. I said, weren't you worried about the work? She said, at first I was, but gosh, this is great because if students aren't in my class, which happens, yeah, they can get online. They can see what they missed. They understand what's going on. They have no excuses. Right. And then I can give them help where they exactly need it because I know they can follow it. So I've had to so retrain powerful. parents, but yeah. it's very, very helpful. And blogs are, I mean, and, and then just the ability of um, – like the, the the grading systems I've seen online. Now where I can go on and see to the minute or to the day where my son is. Did he turn his assignments in today? That is That has changed our family. Like we, we know real time it didn't get in today. And most systems have a student information system. That's amazing. So they're – they're easy, and I think uh, parents may not be aware of it. It's usually in the big, thick mm-hmm. stack of papers that get sent out at the beginning yeah. of the year. But that information is available. Right. Districts want to share it. They want parents to engage. And so parents, those of you that have a hard time because you're working and it's very difficult to engage, there are ways that you can. You can get online. You can mm-hmm. see what's going on. And you can even communicate with parents, or, excuse me, with teachers and administrators very easily in those systems. So they can give you feedback even if you can't make it to parent-teacher conferences because of your yeah. work schedule. It's, uh, it's interesting. When I saw we had a bunch of schools being built in my area and – we heard about all this money they were spending on technology. So I was so excited. Then I went in and I saw a lot of the technology was just used for the teachers to convey the messages in the same old way. So instead of using an overhead projector, they all used PowerPoint and they all got laptops. But the children didn't have the laptops. The teachers did. And they used a microphone system for the teachers so she didn't have to yell. She could now talk through a microphone system. Um, but 
part of this, it sounds like you're saying, is the technology's got to get to the end of the row. It We've got to get it down to the kids in their hands, real time, being used as they're being educated. So we, we really are seeing that in, in those effective classrooms, the sage on the stage model, mm-hmm. the teachers moving into a role as teacher as facilitator to really facilitate yeah. learning. So how does that environment change? Uh, it's not just the flipped classroom, right. which hopefully we can chat about for a second, but it's it's this environment where students actually are even doing some of the teaching. Yeah. They're creating the PowerPoints. They're collaborating. Teams, in those collaboration sessions yeah. that they're having at those desks, those teams should be creating some of those PowerPoints. So they're driven by the students. And let's use that technology they'll be using, but let's get away from the one person in the room with all the knowledge that's yeah. sharing it and nobody else knows anything because these kids do know and they get so engaged oh, when they're huge. able to do that, when they can create and, and do these things. Well, and you, uh, that makes them leaders. So then all of a sudden they have the social skills to lead the synthesis of information, Correct. which is really the future. If all the information's there now, it's just going to be the best synthesizer that's going to succeed. The ones that can turn and churn the information the best, the most collaboratively, seems like that's the advantage in the 21st century. Yeah, it's very true. And that, that leads us into the, the talk we hear a lot about headlines in the flipped classroom. And what does that look like? And so that's one of the other things you can look for. And that uh, is where a teacher is not just sending home the, the worksheet, the black line right. master. Get her done. But let's, it's showing the student what the answer is and then saying, now why don't you go home and figure out what the question is? Love you figure that. out the formula. Yeah. Help us understand how we get to that point. So now the students, all those things that we say they're supposed to memorize that we all learned, mm-hmm. they have to apply those skills. They're not going to, they right. still need the knowledge, but they can see it. They can develop it. They come up with the questions. They go back. And now the learning is all about what is important to them, how it applies Huge. to them. And they, they remember. They own it because they, they invented it. that answer. Correct. I mean, it's so, so it's interesting. This also seems like it's going to... Um, like for me, the educational process of just this rote learning model didn't work for my brain. <laughs> so my grades were never great. And it's int- so I thought, in fact, Mark Twain's got a quote that says, I'm like, I never let my, uh, what was it, my education get in the way of my knowledge or something like that. Um, but this sounds like this might actually take the learning process from just this analytical linear fashion that fits half the people really well. The road approach. The road approach to this new approach where even if you're rote, you can do it more rote if you need to, or you can still do it more circular, kind of more right brain, full brain usage. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be leveling. It Mm. seems like it's going to, it's going to level even how we teach. So it's, there's no end to how you can do this and there's no one right way to do it. There's, you're saying anyone can do it their way and find a way to make it work. Yeah, it's very true. These, this, this doesn't cost more money. No. And we need to train teachers. We need to invest in them, but we should be doing that anyway. Yeah, right. That's the right thing to do. And helping them understand how do I meet the needs of my students? How do we get students engaged? And, and you mentioned the leveling. Yeah. Um, the, other th- the other approach that we're seeing is that we're, the classroom shifting back to, uh, we're shifting away from pr- social promotion and just saying, yeah. good job. Go on to you, you got to go from up fourth to fifth Everyone's grade. moving. Everyone's moving. But let's look at competency. Let's look at mastery. Let's help students mm-hmm. master their skills before they move on. Let's make sure they're ready so that now we're seeing kids that are feeling good about what they've learned. They understand it. They know they know it. So when they move from level five to level six yeah. in math, they're ready. 
Well, and it, it seems like tech, what a great tool to, if you see someone struggling, but you can't, you don't have time to just sit and spend with them, but you could put them on a computer that can tutor them, teach them, test them, retest them, retutor them, reteach. I mean, I've seen devices to learn languages that they they put you. One of the biggest language centers is right here in Utah for all mm-hmm. these Mormon missionaries going out. And it used to be they just drilled it into your head in a classroom with everyone sitting in their seat. Now you spend a lot of time sitting in front of a computer screen, practicing with the computer, and it keeps elevating the level of teaching as you're elevating. It's adaptive. It's adaptive. And um, that seems like the future. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, actually it, the present. Yeah, it is, the, uh, it's, it is what's happening. We're seeing a tremendous amount of options now to be able to – that are adaptive, that help push kids – and the the important thing is that the role of the teacher moves. We're not talking about eliminating teachers. They're no. critical. They become facilitators yeah. of learning. When they see a need and they can help a student, we can use tools to help students progress. And then, of course, they come back to their groups. They do these things. So we're you seeing some very yeah. effective environments where that works very well. And it's not either or. It's not either teachers or technology. It's and. We're going to do it, it all. Is. Yeah, but it's very blended. But that's that's School Improvement Network. We've been talking with Chet Linton. You've got to go check out his website, School Improvement Network. Uh, th- again, more of a resource there for uh, teachers to figure out how to integrate some of the some of the curriculum um, that's more technologically, I guess, uh, educating. And also, uh, go check out uh, Chet's site, his own blog, Chet-Linton-Blog.com. Chet, C-H-E-T-Linton-Blog. Dot com. Chet, thanks, my friend. It's great being here. Thanks, man. You are the best. Uh, kids out there, listen, technology is important. Parents, let's make sure our kids are getting it. We're going to take a break, come back, uh, focus a little bit more on this, give you some more tools and ideas. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. A welder's eye view for industrial processes sees the unseeable with help from NASA. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Welding goggles and helmets are absolute requirements if you want to save your eyesight. The glare of a welding arc, cutting torch, or plasma sprayer could blind a human or even most cameras in a very short time. But then how can you see your work? What's really happening right at the hottest spot? NASA's Marshall Space Flight Center found a way, in partnership with a private company, through a small business innovation research program. Together, they created a method for seeing something as bright as a plasma arc by lighting it up with something even brighter. A laser strobe system and specially tuned cameras called pyrocams can see through blinding glare, right down to individual particles in a hot plasma stream. Using this new insight, manufacturers can tune and perfect how their welders weld and cutters cut making stronger welds with less waste. Or they can watch blazing hot ceramics while they're still in the kiln. Someday, a giant 3D printer may use focused sunlight to melt moon rocks into building material for astronaut bases. And thanks to this innovation, we'll be able to see how it's working. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. On the Wheatley Forum, we bring you educated voices who encourage practical solutions to real societal issues. It's about those relationships. 
those sharing of experiences, knowledge, right? Whether it's universities or states or think tanks. Tune in to the Wheatley Forum Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern here on BYU Radio. Talk about good. Talk about health with Professor of Exercise Science and Chronic Illness Specialist Ron Hager on The Morning Show. Uh, You can remain healthy for a long time. He brings in weekly segments about health and wellness to share with you. Chronic disease is highly preventable. That's the good. That's the thing I'm excited to talk about. Tune in Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern for Ron Hager on the BYU Radio Morning Show. Talk about good. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, as we're wrapping up the show about technology and its impact, what better way to do that than to send our own Colonel Sanders on a news hunt to find all of the news dealing with technology? Rob? Technology in the news. There's big money in technology, but when technology wants to solve a problem, they ask for big money. Now take, for instance, train crashes. Some engineers say they have technology which may, or may not, prevent the next big train crash. It only costs $1 billion. But it could have reduced the chances of Spain's deadly crash, which it appears the engineer had been talking on his cell phone and drove too fast into a curve. Or it could have prevented the 2008 Metrolink crash in L.A., where an engineer appears to have been texting on his phone and ran into another train. Hey, rail operators. Here's a zero-dollar new technology that'll prevent the next big train crash. Don't let your engineers take their cell phones inside the train. Speaking of money and technology, students in Ontario, Canada, have built a complicated, advanced, but ingenious frisbee-throwing robot. So you can play all by yourself. Of course, it's pretty expensive. And it does turn the cheapest schoolyard activity into one of the most expensive... Is technology ruining handwriting? Some students are saying because they text and type so much, they don't even know how to write in cursive anymore. Who does? But are the days of print writing also numbered? A study shows that one in three people have difficulty reading their own handwriting, which is bad news for National Handwriting Day. Do you know it's on January 23rd, which is John Hancock's birthday? And National Handwriting Day picked that day because of John Hancock's famous John Hancock. Which, thanks to technology, our great-grandchildren won't be able to read or understand. Go technology! Speaking of stuff hard to read, what do you think about sports tweets? A popular sports blog just posted this. People in sports who are bad at technology. They give 15 examples, all of them involving Twitter. Coaches and players and gaffes. Which makes me wonder, instead of the headline saying, people in sports who are bad at technology, shouldn't it say, people in sports who are bad at handling their own public relations and should leave that to the agents that they are already paying money to do? Uh, I don't know, maybe coaches are just slaves to technology like the rest of us. Huffington Post posted this article about how we need to get unhooked giving us tips like creating daily rituals and going for walks and taking a first-things-first approach to your mornings instead of looking straight at Facebook. Kind of reminds me of a diet or exercise article. You know, the ones where you read it, you agree with it, and then you do nothing about it. But it's not just we adults who are the addicts. Kids 11, 10, 9 years old are also getting hooked. Researchers in Helsinki, Finland studied this age group. 
asking kids if they had a TV or computer or a tablet in their bedroom. And they came up with this shocking conclusion. Kids with technology in their bedrooms stayed up later than kids who didn't have technology in their bedrooms. Now, of course, to protect your kid, you might decide to wire your house up to be a smart house. Kind where you can log on the internet at work and look at the cameras of what's going in your house. See your kids locked out, be able to push a button on the internet and let your kid in. Be able to turn your security system on or off over the internet. It sounds cool, but now we're finding out it's making your house as easy to hack into as your email account. And you know what? Last time I got my email account hacked into, I still had a TV when I got home. I've complained a lot about GPS being overused outside and people shutting off their brains and not learning where they need to go. But my saving grace is that GPS doesn't work indoors because the phone can't hear the satellites through the roof of the store. Well, now researchers are finding a way to use LED light bulbs to create a GPS-like, I don't know, however GPS works, to make GPS work on your phone inside. They tell the Boston Globe, imagine you're in a vast department store, you're there to buy a new blender, your smartphone leads you straight to the correct aisle, and lights up with a coupon. Oh, come on, guys, isn't it bad enough you're using your GPS for everything else outside, like finding a department store that has a giant sign on the side of the freeway? But, of course, indoor GPS couldn't possibly go wrong now that we know that some major retailers are tracking your shopping habits through your cell phone. In fact, they can even figure out where in the store you are at any given time so they know what kinds of things you like to buy. I guess that explains why I get so many spam emails for Ikea's scratch and dent section. Well done, Robert. That was good. I am 100% on board for the GPS in the grocery store. Why? Oh, so you can find. Because I, I am a uh, precision yeah. shopper. Well, and where do you find quinoa? Exactly. I have no and idea. what is quinoa? Wait, isn't that the Asian It's root? Asian it's a grain. wheat. It's grain. a replacement it's a grain. grain for. So if you could just GPS quinoa in the store, better boom! yet. Better yet. You know how or, you can. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You know how you can. Uh, you can track your routes. Yes. If I could say, okay, I want frozen bread, I want cinnamon rolls. Oh, and it puts it in order. And then it would tell me the most efficient way to hit everything. Don't forget the quinoa. Wait, that is awesome. Yeah. That's a great no, idea. No, I'm 100% on board for that. Stores yeah. need Lazy apps. or not. You don't even need GPS. Yeah, I mean, usually I just do the perimeter, hit some aisles, right? but yeah. Just that would be cooler. follow the signs. <laughs> See, but you, they, he wants okay, that. But, but if you're that trying hard. to find, there are it's some things in the store that are impossible to find quinoa. every single time. Yeah. I, that one, you go near the just rice. Just go to the I wouldn't know it was rice. Grains. <laughs> I didn't know it was a grain. <laughs> Why are you buying I didn't even then? know it was a Q. Isn't it starting with a Q? <laughs> like the yes. other day. I'm looking for the Ks. Like the, uh, Rob has recently turned me on to going gluten-free, okay? Which is kind of fun, and I kind of like it. Is this but, for your car? But finding... No. Oh, okay. No, but finding gluten-free things, kind of difficult. Because they're not super popular, and they're a little expensive. You walk through the store... And you find the aisle that has the sign that says gluten-free. But they, not all of them have that, though. Then don't go to that store. Well, <laughs> I, you know what I do? I just look for all the people that look like they have uh, irritable bowel problems. Follow and I follow them. them. Quiet. Did you notice that? Hey, um, I had one uh, little issue. Hey, what's with the Frisbee throwing robot? You know, when I grew up, we had friends. Those are overrated. And we would actually toss the Frisbee to well, a friend. Yeah, but see, that's what dogs are for. 
they even bring it back to you. So yeah. you don't even have to have a friend. You could have a dog. So you don't even need to catch it, which is <laughs> a problem frisbee. for me. So that works out really well. The Frisbee robot doesn't slobber all over it. Like, uh, see, but that's uh, but, but they do have like things that you can use to pick up Frisbees and balls from dogs. <laughs> see, but this is where technology is solving you. problems that don't exist. <laughs> You have friends. Well, no, really, we're solving problems that we're creating. When yeah. the real way to solve the problem is yeah. to not. If do the kid thing. wasn't inside playing with technology, he'd be outside with a friend or a dog, and he'd have someone to throw a frisbee to. But because he's inside, he has no friends. Uh, thus, buy him a robot. <laughs> that's the kid. That's the kid I'd watch out for. See, that's that's the kind of logic Homer Simpson realizing each of his children was progressively smarter and smarter, and he says, "Hey, Marge." If we had like two or three more kids, one of them would be smart enough to invent a time machine so we could go back in time and convince ourselves to not have any kids. <laughs> yeah. Once again, Rob, you bring it back to the Simpsons. And, Come he, on. and he makes exactly the point, I think. Come on. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, uh, technology, it's been fun. You guys have learned a lot from all of you, from all y'all. And uh, cursive writing, apparently we've decided it's gone. So... Any of you that didn't get the memo, cursive writing is out. Good riddance. Good riddance. Unless you're a calligrapher, then you still have your job. Why don't we just do all caps, capitals, you know? Good point, uh, folks. Thanks for listening. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We hope you've learned a little bit about technology and how to make your child's life a little bit better. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back right here on BYU Radio.